All right, welcome everybody to another episode of the Ballhawks podcast. We are on episode number 11, the double ones. A quick happy Mother's Day to all the wonderful women out there who put up with their children. Um, I know my wife is the rock star of our family, so, you know, she's allowing me to podcast on Mother's Day. What more can you ask for? Uh, I am your host, Steve Fisher. You can find me on Twitter at SSFisher87. And I am joined, as always, by my right-hand man, Christopher Twinkletoes Phillips. And this week, he is Thumper to Bambi. The trusted (laughs) Thumper sidekick. Twinkletoes. That's that's more like uh, Fred Flintstone. Um then it would be Thumper, I guess. But uh, I, I, I'll, I'll take both, um, you know, whatever whatever it is. Uh, happy to be here. Like you said, uh, happy Mother's Day to all of the wonderful mothers out there. Um, you know, my, my wife is also the rock of this household. Uh, not only allowing me to record on Mother's Day, yesterday was her birthday, um, and then of course, uh, we did, we did a thing today. Uh, but yeah, happy to be here, Steve. Um, you know, as I, as you guys know, please give us a follow over on Twitter at ballhawks underscore pod. You can find me on my personal account at Phillips Chris 12. And, uh, of course, cause Steve didn't mention it. You can find him as well at SS Fisher eight seven. Yeah, so we kind of did a thing. It was uh, a little bit of a slow week in the NFL this week. Um, We're, I guess, quickly entering these dog days of summer, but uh, it was not a slow week here in the sunny Okanagan. We finally got around to doing our hashtag run Chris run uh, from, I don't even know which, I was trying to remember what episode that was where um, I kind of put you on the spot there of, running your 40 faster than rich and I won't give it away because I, I feel like that's your news to give away but before we get into that a, a few things that I want to say about our our event today um, a huge thanks to Sean McCabe at Acro Media he he took time out of his day he was not doing any of the events uh, he's not part of our podcast he's not part of the pp1 podcast and he came out with all of his gear and uh yeah took uh took lots of good videos and uh we we already have a couple of those up on our social media and then uh probably i know kind of bad to say because you know you're right here but my highlight of the day was actually um so we did a little barbecue on the tailgate afterwards with uh, everybody's family and kids and uh our friend ryan hank of the pp1 podcast his daughter was eating a uh, a bear smoky that i brought for everybody to try and ryan forgot to mention this to her before eating it and he says something along the lines of like you know how was the bear and for a second there i was i gotta admit i was a little nervous um, and she goes, that was bear. And I was like, oh no, like, what did you do, Ryan? Uh, essentially like it's your daughter. I, I don't really care if she's upset with this. You made the call. And then as quick as I could think that she goes, that was so good. 
And I was like, yeah, we got to take this one hunting with us next time. Um, so huge, huge thanks to Sean and uh, to Ryan's daughter for being a champ. Um, they, they were delightful Smokies. But uh, why, don't, why don't you give the listeners a little rundown of your rundown today? Yeah, um, I, I didn't try a bear smoky. I did have a little bit of bear pepperoni. Uh, it, it was good. So thank you for that. Uh, you know, like, like Steve said, we, we did the damn thing. Finally, we've been talking about it for at least three weeks, if not longer. Uh, so we finally got out there. I mean, we were, we were waiting to find out what uh, Rich Eisen's time was. So you know, we weren't just delaying it to delay it because I was afraid to do it. I was just waiting. And uh, I guess we should probably mention to anybody who uh, didn't listen to the earlier episodes, the original bet between me and Chris was we were talking pre-draft stuff. And uh, Chris had made a comment, I think, about, I think it was just like a little underhanded comment about how fast you were or how, how slow something was. And I sort of put you on the spot and said, I tell you what, if you can run a faster 40 than Rich Eisen's time this year, I will donate $20. And we decided BC Children's Hospital Foundation. And um, if you can't beat Rich, then, you know, I would donate it. Uh, thought we should probably tell people about that if they didn't listen to earlier episodes. And then it snowballed from there, of course, which uh, <laughs> you guys will have to wait wait to see the videos to see how far it spiraled out of control. <laughs> uh, like Steve said as well, I, I just want to send a quick thank you to Sean uh, from Acromedia for coming out and recording and taking videos of the whole thing of, you know, me and Ryan, uh, you know, trying to be the fastest old old guy on, on the field today, uh, which actually uh, fun fact for you steve i have known sean since elementary school oh really yeah yeah when when uh, when ted told me who was coming out to to record everything he's like, yeah i think you guys went to high school together i'm like actually i've known sean since elementary school so <laughs> kind of a you know kind of funny i probably haven't seen sean since high school but uh just kind of funny to to see him out there and, and definitely very appreciative of him coming but of course let's get to the news that everybody has been waiting for um Rich Eisen ran the 40 in a 6.03. Correct. The bet was Chris has to beat Rich. Again, it spiraled out of control from there, but the initial bet was Chris has to beat Rich. I was not nearly as fast as I would have liked to have been. I thought I was going to do better. I've already said to Steve, I didn't even feel fast today and if i'm being perfectly honest my hips and my lower back are killing me right now and i just about swore because it's it's pretty painful right now but i did the damn thing and i beat rich eisen 5.89 let's go your boy did it so steve pay off bud 20 bucks bc children's hospital and i tell you what man it was for charity i'm gonna pay anyway so i'll, I'll donate my 20 bucks too yeah, I was uh, I was going to say the same thing. I, I didn't really care whether you won the bet or not. I, you know, we we talked about that right before everybody ran um, how everybody is essentially donating. But I, I will say it was quite hilarious to see, you know, I guess technically four grown middle aged men 
uh, try to recapture some form of past glory. I don't even know if there was glory in the first place to recapture, but um, you had you versus Ryan. And of course, me and Ted sitting there, we naturally brought our cleats because, well, of course, we were going to do it all. And uh, athlete. Yeah, you you get those competitive juices flowing in you. I was just going to put some cleats on and play soccer with my kids. And then I started seeing everybody doing the three cone and the broad jump. And I was like, you know what? I'm an athlete. I like competition. I got to get in there. Um, you know, so classic thing, it snowballed. But why don't you tell everybody about the secondary uh, bet that kind of snowballed from our initial bet? Talking about uh, the the bet between me and Ryan with uh, from the PP One podcast. That's the one. Yeah. So I mean, it was it was Chris had to beat Rich Eisen, and then all of a sudden, you know, running going out running the forty yard dash, just me and Steve quickly record it, get it done, time it, whatever. Turned into a best out of three competition, <laughs> where as Steve just mentioned, we had to do a broad jump. We did three cone and we did the 40. Um, I'm not going to reveal who won, who lost, who did what. Uh, it, it did come down to Ryan and I decided, you know, 20 bucks per event. Uh, loser donates the 20 bucks um, to BC Children's Hospital again. Uh, again, I'm not really reve- revealing any information. Uh, I, I want you guys to, to see the video. It was, uh, it was quite, quite entertaining. Uh, you know, that some, some people may have taken some clothes off. Uh, there may be, I, I think my daughter probably makes a cameo right at the end there. Uh, <laughs> the, the hit list is on there. I, I, I made sure to bring that along. Uh, but I, I just want to also mention as well, guys, that, um, we, we decided today, we had a lot of fun doing this. I mean, it was a lot of fun to to get our, our four families together. You know, our, our wives came, our kids came. Uh, my parents decided to show up and surprise me, so I, I wasn't expecting that. Um, but uh, we, we decided that we're going to make this an annual thing. Uh, so, so next year, keep your eyes out for uh, hashtag run Chris run too. Uh, we're we're going to make it bigger. We're going to make it better. We're going to create a fundraising page for the BC Children's Hospital. Uh, this is a great, great hospital for, you know, all families, all sick kids in British Columbia that, uh, you know, can definitely use any donations that you can possibly uh, afford to give so keep an eye out for next year we will definitely uh bring it back probably ryan versus i again because uh nobody wants to watch ted and steve because they would be just way too embarrassingly slow um (laughs) (laughs) but uh but yeah keep keep an eye out for it uh i'm sure the promo videos will uh will start back up again uh you know sometime after the nfl season ends next year uh, and we're definitely going to make it bigger and better and, uh, and, and make this an, an annual thing between the Ballhawks podcast and the PP1 podcast. Yeah, I'm going to let your uh, little underhanded dig go there because, uh, well, without giving too much away, we uh, I think you know our viewers or listeners can kind of hear from your voice maybe potentially what happened and... Uh, 
yeah, like you said, for a really good cause, you know, I'm a big follower of Rich Eisen, uh, listen to him Monday to Friday and, um, just like his run, rich run is kind of blowing up more and more every year. We kind of thought way back when, you know, pre-draft stuff was going on, how could we make a little bit of a difference and, uh, use, you know, what platform we potentially have to, uh, impact people as well in our own community. So yeah, like Chris said, have a look out for that and, um, definitely look out in the next couple of days for those videos. I would just say, don't let your kids watch over your shoulder for some of them because, uh, there, there, there was a lot of skin reveal, not nothing horrible, but there was a lot of middle-aged man skin revealed and, yeah it, it's something I mean, you it was, can't it, it unsee wasn't that's that much all i can skin. say he was still wearing a sweater yeah it it will like i tweeted about an hour ago it will haunt me for the rest of my life and um i'm never gonna get those moments back so def- definitely watch it though because it, it was really funny and a really good time but i think this brings us to uh some nfl news where uh your boy dk was doing a little sprinting of his own, not nearly as fast as you. Um, but uh, what what happened with DK and his running today? Yeah, um, I'm going to just quickly um, shut that down. And uh, <laughs> I'm going to say that I am much slower than DK Metcalf. I don't want to discredit anything that he did today. Uh, because I personally think what he did today was amazing. Uh, DK Metcalf, for any of you that don't know, uh, showed up to the uh, United States Track and Field Olympic Trials um, to go run the 100-meter dash and see, hey, you know what, maybe I could qualify for the Olympics. I mean, we all remember him chasing down Buda Baker uh, last year, um, after Russell Wilson threw the interception on the goal line or, or whatever it was. Um, so yeah, so DK Metcalf, uh, he showed up today. Uh, he ran a official 10.37, so 10 seconds, 10.37 seconds, uh, which is just not, it's not good enough to qualify for the Olympics. He needed a 10.05 to qualify for the Olympics. Um, uh, 10.2. 10. 10. 10.2. Okay. Yeah. I, 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 I thought I'd seen a 10.05. Uh, 10.2 to qualify for the Olympic trials. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I have it on my PVR. I, I've seen videos on my phone of it. I, I want to watch it on my actual TV to, to actually see, you know, the, the event um, in its, I guess, proper form. But for a guy who's 6'4", 235 who is not an olympic trained athlete yeah. show up and and run a 10.37 yes he finished last in his leg but if you watch it i mean in, in the videos that i saw on my phone there was one guy who was maybe a step ahead if not a half step ahead of dk so i mean dk metcalf was you know that close to finishing i guess eighth out of ninth which i mean he if you're not first, you're last. Thank you, Ricky Bobby. <laughs> um, <laughs> it, uh, yeah, I, I, unreal, man. I mean, if if he were to lose some of the mass and 
actually train to be an Olympic sprinter, um, he could probably do some real damage. But he's an NFL uh, wide receiver, and he needs that mass. And, I mean, being a football player pays better. So uh, I don't blame him there. Yeah, a couple of things with that, like... Like you said, he he's an NFL wide receiver. And usually these guys where, you know, we're going through the draft process and we hear um, this guy has Olympic level speed. DK Metcalf legitimately has Olympic level speed. Like you said, at 6'4", I think on the one app I was reading on, it said he was 229, but 220, 230, 235. He's a big, big dude and he's got world class speed. So, uh, at the event, he actually ranked 15 out of 17 runners of all the event, obviously not just in the heat that they're showing. And the fastest guy on the day got 10.09. So guys that train for this year round, year after year after year on all the techniques and and their sprinting speeds. So, you know, just to be, you know, 17 tenths of a second off of qualifying for the Olympics, that in itself is just absolutely wild. When you think like, you know, like you said, he's got other things that he's dealing with in training for, you know, things that are football related, not sprinting related. And he's just like, you know what? You know, I just want to test my speed against world athletes. Like how, how incredible of a like physical specimen is this guy? And then the other thing I was thinking about was poor Buddha Baker. How did he not die that day? Like he's getting chased down, like at least like maybe not die, but how did he not at least crap his pants just a little bit when you hear a thundering human being and you're like, oh my goodness, the train is coming for me and it ain't slowing down. I I think had it been any other defender other than Buda Baker, um, they probably wouldn't would have been crapping his, their (laughs) pants, but, uh, you know, uh, all credit to Buda Baker. He's a hell of a player himself. Um, it, yeah, man, it's just, I mean, Marquise Goodwin, who is uh, both an NFL player and an Olympian. Now he's not a sprinter. He, he competed in the long jump. Um, he tweeted earlier today, 10.36 at that size crazy which i i think initially before it was official i think it, it was a 1036 and then the official time came in at 10.37 but you know splitting hairs at, yeah. at that point um but to have somebody who is an olympian say something like that is unreal at that size and and a lot of people uh but i i say people a lot of nfl players uh, a lot of his colleagues were saying like that guy is different. That guy is different. Running that fast at that size, like that is unheard of. That is different. That is unreal. The only one who, uh, who had a little bit of slander was Raheem Mostert, which uh, I'm going to go ahead and, and just save my comments. Cause I have nothing uh, family friendly to say about what <laughs> Raheem Mostert said. So um, Raheem Mostert, I hope somehow DK Metcalf plays defense this year and you guys meet in the backfield. That's all I'm going to say. Um, or at least they both get Man- put on special teams just once. I don't want to see DK on special teams, but like, just go play like strong, sa- like strong safety and just, I don't know, just go obliterate that, that guy who thinks he's, um, anyways, 
yeah, I'm just like I said, I'm going to leave it there because I'm going to say some bad words if we carry on about that conversation. Classic. Um, the other thing was like uh, Emmanuel Acho um, said, like, you know, like DK, like, why did you do this? Like, what were mm-hmm. you doing this for? Who were you doing this for? Yeah. And and I really got I really enjoyed this quote. And DK Metcalf replied back, I was doing this for myself. Everybody else is scared to do it. And that's, I, th- I think, uh, very true. I mean, you know, you you see these guys and they talk about how fast they are. And, yeah, I mean, you know, Chad Johnson once raced a horse or, or whatever it was, but he got like a, you know, 70-yard head start or something <laughs> like that and still lost. Um, so to see him say like, yeah, you know what? Like, why not? Why not show up and give this a shot and see how fast I am? See how I how I stack up against the best in the world. Um, and it's, it, it's actually funny. I, I don't know if you saw any video of it yet, Steve DK Metcalf sticks out like a sore thumb. Again, we're talking about his, his size and you're like, ah, like, I don't know which lane DK's in. And then like, you're just watching like, Oh yeah, no, there, there's the biggest guy on the track. Yep. I found him. Yeah. I was actually the first time I watched that. I didn't, click the little you know how your or i should say most apps automatically go to mute right away i just didn't press it i was like whatever it's a race and then i was thinking that to myself like well i wonder which one like what lane am i looking for and within the first two steps i was like oh there he is like he's right there and guess what he got off to a blazing start like he's got that explosive start and i would say for at least 80 of the 100 meters he was right there in the race, like to go the distance. And it was only in that last, like, like I said, 20 to 15 meters where, you know, you can see the difference in these guys being able to pull away uh, for the whole hundred. But yeah, I agree with you. Like, obviously it's nowhere near the same level, but even, you know, telling friends of ours and, you know, family of what we're doing today when, you know, middle-aged men go down to, you know, a random turf field and run 40s and people are like, why are you doing that? And I was like, well, why not? Right? Too many, I feel like too many NFL players or too many like pro athletes, you know, they're the best of the best and they're afraid to sort of like deviate from that. And they just want to be considered the best all the time. And then you got a guy like that who's like, okay, like I'm a great football player. I'm fast. I'm big. I'm physical. Uh, this is a new challenge for me. I want to see where I stack up against Olympic sprinters. And I think that's just like good for him. Like good for him for not being scared. Good for him for, you know, putting himself on the line to to really be ridiculed, right? Like I'm sure he took a few sprints beforehand and thought to himself, like, I'm in range. I should actually try at one of these events. Uh, but then to actually go put yourself on, you know, the map in the limelight to compete against these people like he could have just gotten blown out of the water and uh you know it might be embarrassing for somebody who's you know a top person in their you know field to get embarrassed a little bit but he uh he threw it out there and yeah good for him yeah i mean um this will be the last thing i say about it but uh competitors like to compete and he went out there and he competed gave it his all and like i said i think he did fantastic and uh uh i i guess at the end of the day the biggest takeaway from this all is i'm glad that he came away from it healthy so 
Yeah, definitely. And also that you and Ryan and myself and Ted also came away from it healthy. I really did not want your, your mom and dad to be, you know, picking your body up off the, off the turf with a torn Achilles or something wild like that. We've, we've all got to go to work. Growing up playing lacrosse, my parents, including my mother, I I will add, including my mom. Actually, my mom probably said this to me more than my dad did. You better actually be hurt. Yeah. If you're laying on the floor. Yeah. My parents were the same way, too. Yeah. So I, even if I did get hurt today, which, again, thankfully I didn't, um, I probably would have hobbled my ass to the sideline instead of pulling up lame, being hurt, and forcing my parents to pick my hurt body up off the turf. I just, I don't know, so many things that your parents say stick with you through life, and for some reason... That is one of the ones that has stuck with me. And I mean, I, I still play lacrosse to this day. And that one still sticks with me where it's just like, if I have to come out there, you better actually be hurt. Right. So and I, I, uh, I think even this will be the last thing I say about this, but um, <laughs> kind of going off on a huge tangent. I, it, It's so funny how now that you're a parent and I'm a parent, how these things make a lot more sense. Like they, they didn't say that because they don't care about you or cause they're just like, eh, seems like a lot of work to go out there. Like when your kid gets hurt or they're, they're laying there, you know, your heart sinks a little bit. So I don't want my heart to sink every time you fall down. And if you're down, I know I've got to do something about it. Like, you know, same thing. My parents always said that, like, don't play wolf with stuff like that. And even when I tore my ACL way back, um, same thing. Like I knew I tore it or I at least had an idea like this feeling must be a torn ACL. And I hopped on the other leg to the opponent's bench because it was a little closer and asked them to open the gates and to which they didn't. Bunch of you know what. Um, and then I hobbled my way across the field still on a torn ACL to my own bench. Cause it was just one of those things that stuck with me that if you can get up, you get up, you just, you don't need to make a big spectacle of it. it it's an embarrassment thing, right? Like no parent wants to have to go out there to look, look after their kid who's supposedly hurt just to find out they're faking it. Like, yeah, I don't know. As, as a parent, I, I would definitely, if my kids are pulling something like that, I would be, I would be embarrassed that my kid faked an in, faked an injury right. bad enough that I had to go out onto the floor, field, ice, whatever to check on them. So yeah. my kids will definitely not be uh, professional soccer player level floppers or they won't be playing for, for very long. Just um, get them some magic spray. Yeah. <laughs> oh, things are great. <laughs> or you, you cart them off to the just on the white line and then they sprint over to the bench. Yeah. Um, okay, a couple little NFL things we wanted to chat about. Uh, like we said at the start of the, the hour here, um, a little slower of events that happened, but um, a couple kind of transaction-y type things. We have uh, Frank Ragnow of the Detroit Lions 
becoming the highest paid center. So it's a four-year deal with an annual average value of 13.5 per season, uh, which tops Corey Lindsley's from earlier when we talked about that uh, in the first wave of free agency. Um, Regnow was a first uh, round pick, 20th overall out of Arkansas, and he's still just 24 years old. Uh, allowed zero sacks and nine pressures in 14 games for the Lions. So you can see, um, you know, there there's a lot to like about this guy. And uh, kind of one of my takeaways from it when I saw it, you know, normally, uh, you know, a, a center signing wouldn't really, you know, lift your eyebrows. But it, I'm starting to see that centers are being valued now. Centers are starting to get paid with the other big offensive linemen. Um, and then the other one that I wanted to talk about, and you can respond to either one of them if you want, uh, was the Eagles claimed uh, carry on Johnson uh, off of waivers. And this one was kind of interesting to me. Um, you know, that that's starting to get to be one of those running back by committee crowded backfields. It's got some fantasy football uh, implications on it. Obviously, they have Miles Saunders who's kind of their lead guy. They just drafted uh, Kenneth Gainwell out of Memphis in the fifth round, who a lot of people are, you know, pretty high on and taking him fairly high in rookie drafts. And then you have Johnson, who um, who's added to that backfield. And, uh, you know, obviously with what the Eagles have done in terms of the draft, adding Landon Dickerson, I think that's going to be an interesting backfield uh, to look into this year. What do you think? I didn't realize that Frank Ragnow is only 24 years old. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah. Um, Good for him. Um, I I was reading an article uh, earlier tonight uh, about that contract and, you know, his press conference. And I mean, of course, how excited he is to um, be able to sign a contract like that, which I mean, this is his second contract at 24. So he signed through to 2026, I think he I saw. So that's going to take him to what 2930, which means he's going to get a third contract, whether that's with the Lions or someone else, is uh, yet to be d- determined, of course. Um, but good for him. Uh, you know, he in that press conference was saying how excited he is to be able to take care of his mom, yeah. and that. This was the goal, uh, you know, his entire time. I, I think I'd, in the article it said something that he wrote, you know, I, I think it was maybe in middle school that, you know, my goal is to make the NFL and to take care of my parents. Uh, his father passed away in 2016, um, which uh, I, I, from my understanding, he was quite emotional uh, about discussing, which, I mean, of course, who wouldn't be? Um, so yeah, so, I mean, now he gets to take care of his mom. I mean, he is set that, that is generational money, uh, that is taking care of himself. That is taking care of his mother. That is taking care of his kids, probably his kids, kids. Uh, he is, he is set. Um, so yeah, good for him. I mean, we, we are both big, big proponents for, uh, guys getting paid. We both want to see the players get the money. Um, the owners have enough. 
you had mentioned how he allowed zero sacks last year. Well, the year before that, in 2019, he only allowed two sacks. So in two seasons, he's allowed uh, all of two sacks. He's only had 12 penalties over three years. Uh, only And two of those were last year. So he only had two penalties all of last year. And the biggest takeaway that I came away from with, with rag now, which I, I remember this happening last year when I reread it, I'm like, Oh yeah. Like that was that guy. <laughs> he played last, he played in a game last year with a fractured freaking throat. Yeah. Like how, like that is just like, that's why he only uh, played 14 games last year is because he, he played, uh, I think it was a Packers game uh, with, with the fractured throat played the whole game. And then missed the last two games of the year. Like, just unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah, but like... It, it's definitely... The the Lions, I mean, Christ. Having a 24-year-old center under contract uh, for the next... If he signed through to 2026, what is that? Six seasons? Um, that's... I, at, at some point, he is going... <laughs> Believe it or not, even though he's averaging thirteen point five million per year, um, that contract's going to be a bargain at some point yeah. during the next six seasons. And I always think of um, you know I, I'm a big uh, I'm a big offensive lineman guy when we're talking about uh, the offense in general. Um, I I don't think you can spend enough on your offensive line to you know protect your quarterback to get your run game driving like it it's so cliche but when they say it all starts in the trenches it is so true like that point of attack if you you know whatever team is pushing that around you know usually controls the way the game goes so you know investing in a guy who you know is uber talented he's very young and, you know, when you when you talk about playing with a fractured throat, this guy is going to play through literally anything. You could actually rip his kneecaps off like their new head coach likes to talk about. Um, and he would still hobble around and find a way to contribute somehow. It, it reminds me of, uh, I, I think it was the second to last or third to last season. I'm drawing a blank right now. Um, when Marshall Yanda was playing and he had a fractured or like separated shoulder and his I guess solution was not to go get surgery because that would take him out for the year he just moved to the other side of the line where his good shoulder would be attacked and he played at a pro bowl level like I I just love those midwestern guys that are just so friggin tough and they just all they want to do is sit in the trenches and play football. And and I don't think you can invest enough in guys like that. So, you know, highest paid center, but, you know, I'll take that all day. Like, the ball starts at the center. Like, he's calling out the plays. You know, he's got to be the first one to not only snap, but then get himself up to take on those big hulking D linemen. So, uh, money well spent. What do you think about the, the Eagles getting carry on Johnson? Is that an anything to you? Um, I, I just want to quickly comment. You're talking about Marshall Yanda switching sides on the offensive line. It reminds me of the the Ronnie Lott story, where he uh, dislocated or, or broke his finger 
partway through a game, and instead of missing the rest of the game, they just said he just said no, just just take. I, 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 it may not have been that entire game. He, he may have finished that game with the broken finger, but I think it may have been the next game where he just said just just amputate it, just take it off, cut it off where it's broken, and I'll just go out there and play. And uh, and they did, and he did. Um, just next honestly, level carry- toughness. Yeah, yeah, things that, uh, you know, there's a reason why these guys make the NFL, and um, I go run a 40-yard dash against my friend on a Sunday afternoon, so. um, (laughs) And you both think you're hurt. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, Carry Honestly, carry on Johnson. Eh, 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 I don't know. Like, initially when I saw it, I was like, what? Carry on Johnson. And then I remembered that DeAndre Swift is there. Um, I mean, we always talk about these, you know, or the last couple of weeks, we, we keep talking, talking about these guys that are supposed to have that breakout that just never quite happens. And that was carry on Johnson. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I, I think he dealt with some injuries and um, I mean, he dealt with having Adrian Peterson, the ageless, ageless wonder, uh, you know, in his backfield as well. But yeah, like I said, I just like, eh, like whatever. Like, I don't really, I don't know. It might affect Miles Sanders. It might affect like carry on Johnson might not even make the Eagles. Honestly, I think, um, carry on Johnson and Miles Sanders are probably battling for a position against each other. Uh, whereas the Eagles are probably viewing Gainwell as their running back as the future, maybe. I honestly, I, I don't know. It, it doesn't like. It doesn't. It, it barely, barely makes the the meter even move. Yeah, I just thought we'd we'd bring that up in terms of like fantasy football. Is it going to have any effect? You know, sometimes these guys go to a new system, or maybe they like go to a team where their their old running backs coach was and that can kind of like revitalize their careers especially for these guys that um you know he was a fairly high pick there was lots of promise and talk around you know what he could be at the next level and like you said he he's kind of just been fighting for roster spots um against other bigger competitors and it's just one of those things where it's like I know how the, the, the waiver system works. He doesn't really get a choice. Do I want to go to Philly? Do I want to go here? He, he gets picked up by who he wants to get picked up by. Um, but you got to think their agent would have a little bit of say and be like, okay, you know what? We just dealt with a place where, you know, there's a clear cut starter and maybe there's like another piece behind it. Um, you know, our client is looking for an opportunity, you know, to you know to compete for the starting spot and i think it's miles sanders spot to lose and i think Gainwell, you know if he performs well enough he's kind of going to make it into a one-two punch but i was kind of just thinking like some of those teams like the jets i know they drafted michael carter and um they still don't have a clear-cut starter and i feel like if i was the agent for carry on johnson to kind of revitalize the career like I would be banging on the drums being like, sorry, my client, you know, does not want to play for you. So don't pick us up on waivers. We want to be in a spot where, you know, there's an, there's a realistic chance that he's going to start. I don't think carry on Johnson has the 
pull to for his agent to get away with something like that um for his agent to get away and, and say yeah you know what like I, I think at this stage, carry on Johnson is like, okay, new opportunity. Let's go. Like I, I got to go in. I got to prove myself. He doesn't have that, um, that name recognition or, or, or that ability to really say like, ah, you know what? I don't want to come here. I'm going to hold out for a better opportunity. Um, and, and the jets will, there, there's going to be, there's going to be more cap casualties, um, there's going to be guys that, you know, surprise cuts out of camp and didn't, didn't Tevin Coleman sign with the jets? If I'm not mistaken, I'll have to look that one up. And uh, I would have to look that up as well. But I, I mean, again, that that's a guy that can't stay healthy. So screw Tevin Coleman. <laughs> no, He's nothing to do he, with fantasy football. there. just straight up anger towards a he, human being. Uh, nope. Yeah. He used to play for the Niners. So screw him. Yeah. Um, uh, yes, he did sign with the jets. I just looked it up. Okay. Here. So they might yeah. have a little bit of more competition, but, um, anyways, just thought we'd bring that up, see what you thought of it. Um, one other one, we don't have to spend too much time on this, but I thought it was just kind of interesting. Uh, the GM of the Buffalo bills, Brandon Bean made a couple comments that kind of you know, stirred the pot a little bit and it's, you know, it's slightly political, I suppose, but it has real football implications. And uh, so for anyone who has not read into this or looked into it, he basically was alluding to um, unvaccinated players would essentially be a problem to him because, you know, if they're if their entire staff met a certain criteria, kind of like the NHL's 85%, and I don't know what the number is for the NFL, I don't think it's come out yet, um, that they could go back to kind of doing things like they used to instead of holding these Zoom meetings for this and, you know, the point of care testing every single time. And so his comments... I didn't actually listen to the entire thing, so I'm just kind of paraphrasing or taking a clip out of it. And he said, I I hope if those are the rules that we'll be able to reach enough people to be vaccinated and not have to deal with all the headaches. And so what people took from that was Brandon Bean sounds like he wants to cut players who are headaches, who are unvaccinated. And then um, there was another statement from an NFL rep that said a team may not release a player solely due to vaccination status. And I I just want to get your opinion on this really quickly, because I I think it's, I I think right now it kind of seems like maybe a uh, whatever kind of idea, but I think there's going to be a lot of things where a player gets cut and gets questioned if they are unvaccinated. Like, why did you cut me? And, you know, do you see any future issues with this at all? Um, It's just, it's... (laughs) Should I say new normal? Because people hate that. Might (laughs) trigger someone. It's honestly, it it is the way that we are going right now. It is the way of the world. Um, And, I mean, at the end of the day, it's... These guys are running a business 
And if they choose to run the business in the manner in which they choose to run it, and they decide that they want vaccinated players over unvaccinated players, that is their choice. Um, you know, like I said, this is the way the world is going. I saw something on Twitter the other day about the Seattle Mariners. Um, they have, you know, perks in their park now for people who are vaccinated. Uh, you know, if, if you're vaccinated, you have access to this area of the park. You can do this in the park. You can do that in the park. I think they even um, said that vaccinated people can get a discount at the concession and possibly even the <laughs> team's store in the park. So certainly there, you're going to see more things like that where um, teams are incentivizing um, fans to get vaccinated, players to get vaccinated. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see a lot of NFL teams put in a uh, a rule where if you want to come watch a game, you have to be vaccinated. So it's it's just the lay of the land right now um, where, you know, they they want to see more and more people probably get the vaccine, uh, which I'm not against. Um, please get the vaccine. And I don't care if how political that is <laughs> or if you disagree with that statement. Um, that's that's how I feel. Get the vaccine. Um, and yeah, it's just it, we will see more and more things like this. Yeah, I, I agree. Like, you know, it, it might be a little too political for people, but um, if you want things to go back to how they were, if you want to start protecting people, you probably should uh, actually do some research of what vaccines do, and then you will come to the same conclusion. I, I was just kind of thinking more along the lines of um, not incentivizing a player, but in this case, the, the conversation was about... Um, can you penalize a player? And I think that's where the differences came down. Like, you know, incentivizing a player might say like, oh, you get like X roster bonus or something paid out by whoever. Um, well, you know, you know what I mean? Instead of saying like, do you oh, be, we're going to cut want, you. Do you want to be on the team or not? Do you want to be on the team or not? Get a vaccine or don't get a vaccine. If you don't get a vaccine, you're not on the team. But that's a penalty. That's, that's not an not. incentive. That's a, that's a penalizing of a player, not incentivizing. How is not being on the team incentive enough to get the vaccine, though? Because that that's not a that's not an incentive at all. Okay, <laughs> that, that's well. all. Anyways, we we don't have to go down that rabbit hole. I I just thought it was kind of interesting. I think you know, with the NFLPA being uh, a thing in the NFL, I think this is going to uh, potentially get a lot more traction than you actually think it will. Um, further on down the summer like i i just hope people are smart and they get vaccinated and we don't necessarily have to deal with these kinds of things uh you know because it's better for the the health of the entire world first and foremost football aside um but yeah i i think there might be a little bit of conversation with this probably like post summer kind of idea um anyways that's that's as far as i think we'll take that one some of you at this point are probably asking yourself, like, why aren't these guys talking about uh, the Aaron Rodgers saga? It's It's been monopolizing the NFL for the last couple weeks. Um, we do not want to talk about that quite yet. We were going to try and save this for as long as possible, but we thought it might be a little weird. 
we have a guest coming on next week, um, a big Packers guest who we would love to chat with them about having a little more insider um, info on that. So um, I, I thought I would just add that in there really quickly um, about why we're not talking about Aaron Rodgers, because obviously it's a big deal. Uh, we're probably going to dedicate most of next week's episode, if not the entire thing, uh, just to Aaron Rodgers. Um, one last thing before we get into the third down. I know this is something you you wanted to talk about. Um, both of us having worked at Jersey City, we're kind of Jersey nerds, and the rookies are coming out with their Jersey numbers. Um, you actually found this before I did. I, I think I was at work and, you know, a super busy day, but you actually text me or you might've tagged me on Twitter, the Ravens rookie numbers. And we're like, what do you think of them? And so, um, just really briefly with the, the Ravens, um, I guess for me, like even being a Jersey nerd, numbers to me mean nothing until you actually do something with them because it's it's all this promise and then you're like so disappointed when it's like oh like Earl Thomas just ruined the number 29 for me so when I look at like the Ravens uh Sean Wade getting 29 my first thought is well the last time we had a a DB where the number 29 was Earl Thomas but the last time a drafted player took 29 was Marlon Humphrey so you look at that and you you say to yourself, which one am I getting? Am I getting the one where I want to forget the number 29 or am I getting the one where I wish Marlon Humphrey never got rid of 29 for Earl Thomas? Um, I guess there, there's actually one other really cool thing about the Ravens rookies in the numbers that they picked, especially the wide receivers. Um so between the players they have on their roster and the players they uh, signed, they have number 11 is James Prochet, who was a rookie last year. Uh, 12 is Rashad Bateman. That was the number he picked. 13 is Devin Duvernay, who was a rookie last year. 14 is Sammy Watkins, who they signed. Uh, number 15 is Hollywood Brown. And then number 16 is Tylen Wallace, who's a rookie this year which is kind of fun. You got 11 to 16 in order of receivers. You know, line them up in formation, 11 to whatever would be kind of fun. And then, of course, uh, Ravens fans had a little bit of a heyday with uh, Miles Boykin on the outside. He's wearing number 80. And he, <laughs> one of these things is not like the other ones. Yeah. Miles Boykin is wearing one of the uh, more traditional wide receiver numbers, <laughs> yeah. and yet it sticks out like a a, a sore thumb, which right. is is pretty funny. Um, yeah, I, I just wanted to you know just talk about the you know like like you said we're we're a little bit of jersey nerds. Um, I love jerseys. I love seeing what what numbers guys are wearing. The rookies, what what did they choose? Um, which the Seahawks have not released that information yet. And they're really starting to piss me off because I just want to find <laughs> out what number the rookies are wearing, which, like you said, it doesn't really mean anything, but I just, I care. And I don't know why. I can't explain it, but I just care. <laughs> um, but also the, the, the NFL, of course, um, this offseason, they just a couple weeks ago changed the whole rules in regards to what numbers players can wear. Um, so, you know, running backs, 
previously were limited to number 20 to 49. Well, now they can wear numbers 1 through 49. Uh, and actually, running backs now also wear numbers 80 to 89, um, which seeing a running back wearing something in the 80s would be really weird. Yeah. But, I mean, now they can wear single digits, which, I mean, I'm sure you remember because we were both at Jersey City at the time when Reggie Bush was drafted. And nobody knew what number he was going to wear. People were coming into the store being like, do you have those Reggie Bush jerseys yet? And we're like, well, he hasn't announced what number he's going to wear yet. Because, I mean, of course, at USC, he was number five. And I think throughout the preseason, he wore number five. So he didn't actually announce his number till right before the regular season. Um, Derrick Henry actually did the same thing with uh, with number two. He wore number two all preseason uh, and then changed to 22 right as the regular season started. So that's a guy that I, I wonder if maybe he'll switch back. Um, wide receivers can also now wear one through 49. Uh, so we're going to see those wide receiver or, and tight ends, uh, you know, potentially wearing the single digits, uh, which actually Kyle Pitts, a rookie, he's, uh, he's rocking the single digit. He's going to be number eight. Um, and then linebackers, uh, they've now got the ability to go into the single digits. DBs have the ability to go with the single digits, uh, which again, saw a couple couple changes there. Uh, Quandre Diggs has announced he's going to wear number six. So switching from 37 to number six for the Seahawks. Buda Baker, which actually I, I kind of got a kick out of this. He, he tweeted the other day, like, hey, Cardinals fans, please don't hate me. Um, but I'm switching my number to number three. So actually, uh, Buda Baker, this is his third, second, third, I don't know. He was 36 to start. He changed to 32 when Tyron Matthew Matthew left, and now he's switching to number three. So this is yeah, this is his third different jersey number for the same team. A um, couple other interesting ones: we're going to see a running back, Leonard Fournette, wearing number seven. Uh, Patrick Peterson's going to wear number seven as well, actually. Which uh, two former LSU guys both uh, going back to their college numbers. The biggest thing that I don't understand what this is. The NFL charges these guys. Hey, like, yeah. I heard, so I was now just ask like, you about that. Yeah. So like Patrick Peterson's fine. So he, he changed teams. Any rookie is fine because it's their first Jersey number, but like Quandre Jiggs, Buddha Baker, Leonard Fournette, they have to buy back all of the jerseys with their previous number from the NFL and slash Nike, which I can Give me a break. I mean, we were just talking about like, this is a business, right? If there's no bigger business than you sitting on, you know, 10,000 Buda Baker jerseys because he decided just randomly one day to change his his number. Um, I, 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 to a certain degree, I, I get why you say give me a break. Like, just let these guys wear the number they want to. It's kind of fun. It's it's new. It's interesting. Uh, but from a business standpoint, like think about um, how much inventory these guys sit on. Now, the NFL makes a gazillion dollars, so I don't feel overly bad for them. But, you know, I, I think to when every once in a while I'll go on the NFL.com website and, you know, I'm searching like their sales section to see if there's any fun things I can add in kind of with my order and uh, you, you still see like, you know, um, oh, a championship hats where it's like 
oh, the the Baltimore Ravens Super Bowl 47 championship hats. And I'm like, how how are they still like almost a decade later? You have not sold those out. So I kind of get it from their perspective. But yeah, I mean, let, let the kids do it, especially when you've just changed the rules on who's allowed to wear what number. I guess that's the only sort of caveat you might have for, you know, saying I, I should be able to pick my number. If the if the rookies can come in and play by these new rules, like at least let me do it one time. And maybe maybe they help fans out in some way, because I know I know as a fan, um, I would be kind of pissed off. I I remember Pat, uh, a couple of weeks ago, Patrick Queen, uh, he wore eight at LSU as well. And he was, you know, shouting out Lamar saying, you know, how much is it going to cost kind of thing? And I replied to him saying, you know, if you do that, no worries, but um, you owe me a jersey kind of idea. Because like, no, <laughs> let's say Lamar Jackson changes his jersey number because he gives it up to Queen. Like, do you, do I really want to wear a Lamar Jackson with his old jersey number on there? Like, no, I probably want his current jersey number. So I get it from the fans perspective get it from the player's perspective. Um, one comment I, I kind of want to bring up was, I think it was Brady. It, it was a while ago and I should have tried to pull up uh, the article that I read it from, but I, Brady's not happy about the Jersey number switch because he thinks this is going to lead to just like some super shoddy football because essentially like, you know, for how many years he said like, Oh, these are the numbers I've had to study for this position group. And if, if this person is over here, this has to be a that or whatever. Right. So he's basically saying like the product on the field is going to cheapen because these guys can be, you know, whatever number they want to be. Suck it up, Tom Brady. It's uh <laughs> sorry, man. Like if kids in college can figure it out, so can professional athletes. Um, I, I saw that as well when it was initially uh, tweeted out that he think it's, thinks it's dumb and that, yeah, it's going to lead to, you know, guys going un, unblocked and whatever else. Um, and I, I, I replied back or quote tweeted it or whatever I did of uh, the, you know, Abe, Simps- Abe Simpson, uh, old man yelling at the cloud gif. Because uh, that was Tom Brady in that scenario, which actually I think Tom Brady ended up also tweeting out that gift, realizing that like, all right, maybe I am a little bit wrong in this scenario, and I am a bit of that old man yelling at the cloud. But yeah, just get over it, man. Like, college kids can figure it out, and they're uh, yeah, just it. It's fun. Yeah. Let let guys do what they want to do. Yeah. I, I, I want to see uh, them expand it to D Lyman. I want to see J- <laughs> Jadevian Clowney back out there in his uh, number seven, yeah. destroying guys in the back in the backfield. Right, like you, you know, if a guy, if a D Lyman in college is wearing a single digit number, like you got you got to block that guy. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, okay, we uh, I think we have time for a little third down. If you got something for us, I do. I, uh, I I threw something together here uh, after our event today. I was like, oh, I have nothing planned for the podcast, Steve. And we were actually talking in the parking lot. Like, what are we, what are we even talking about tonight? And, I mean, we 
have managed to throw something together here. But uh, last few weeks, of course, we've been discussing from our, some of our favorite uh, rants and NFL one-liners and things along those lines. So I thought this week it would be kind of fun to look at another entertaining aspect of the NFL that we all know and love so much. And that is some of the best touchdown celebrations. Oh, here we go. I, uh, like I said, I, I, I threw this together, so I, I may have missed some. And if I did, please call me out. Steve, call me out. Everyone on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, call me out. If I missed your favorite, please let me know. Um, but I've got uh, I've got a few matchups here. And, uh, of course, are you ready? I'm ready. Let's go. Third down. All right, let's go. So, first matchup, uh, we've got Terrell Owens with the Sharpie. Okay. Versus Joe Horn and the cell phone, which it sounds like you don't know what the Sharpie is. Um, no, so I just thought you were going to go was... in a different way to start. But for okay. anyone that's not listening, uh, I- explain what the Sharpie was. Yeah, so that was actually uh, when Tio was with the 49ers. I think it might have actually been his rookie season. Um, it was a game versus the Seahawks in Seattle. He scored a touchdown, pour, pulled a Sharpie out of his sock, autographed the football, and gave it to a fan, <laughs> um, which actually prompted the NFL to ban props from touchdown celebrations. Uh, and, of course, the Joe Horn cell phone, if you don't know what that one is, uh, Joe Horn had a cell phone hidden under, you, you know, the padding around the, the, the goalpost. He had a, a cell phone hidden underneath one of those. He scored a touchdown, went, pulled up the padding, grabbed the cell phone, called his mom. Yeah, these, uh, yeah, I'm not going to ruin which one I thought you were going to say about T.O. in case you have a secondary T.O. one, which would not shock me at all. Um, so I, I got to, this one's actually deceivingly tough because, um, you know, you're bringing the fans into it. I think that's a fun part of the celebration. Um, but for for Joe Horn to go there pregame and put his cell phone in there with determination to say, like, it's happening. You could make the argument T.O. did that as well, but it's a lot easier to sort of just put it in there sort of, you know, mid-snap you're feeling the game you're maybe starting at the 30 yard line or something like that um pre-game to like orchestrate that up and who knows maybe he had that in there uh kind of every game for the you know x amount of of games until he got that touchdown but that's showing kind of like next level swagger that's like next level preparation i'm gonna go with joe horn i am shocked I thought the T.O. Sharpie was a classic. Um, I agree. But I agree. I agree, I, I, I agree with the, the the Joe Horn. How did he know he was going to score a touchdown in that end zone where the cell phone was? He, I mean, and he could have had cell phone in both end zones. I don't know, but... Um, Wouldn't that be that, a fun thing, thing to I, bring a guy like that on the podcast to talk about, like, okay, give us the rundown on this. Like, did you have it in both end zones? Was this just a one game kind of thing? Well, you know, whether he's going to give you the right answer or not, it'd be kind of fun to know, like, 
what was going through your mind when you like you're doing warm-ups and you're like man i hope nobody from the opposing team sees this or else someone's coming in here to break my phone and then to call your mom like it's mother's day gotta give a shout out to you know calling your mom when you're at work something i've always questioned (laughs) uh next matchup i've got antonio brown uh hugging the goalpost after returning a punt versus Chad Johnson, which, I mean, that guy had so many options to choose from. Um, I went with the uh, using the pylon as a putter to putt the football. Yeah, and another, uh, another guy who is just notorious for his end zone sellies in the golden era of, uh, you know, having some fun in the league when you scored a touchdown Again, I, I thought you were going somewhere totally different with the Ocho Cinco or the Chad Johnson. Um, also wouldn't be surprised if he makes another appearance on this. And uh, this one's tough for me because I hate the Bengals and I hate the Steelers. Um, but I think I hate... And I hate both wide receivers too. Like, they're both just, you know, most... De- most receivers are divas um i think chad's like one of the ultimate divas um i think the pylon putter has has more creativity to it than just sort of sliding i know it was supposed to be like you know the the fire hall sliding down it um i hate antonio brown i hate the steelers chad johnson for the win Chad Johnson versus Antonio Brown. Who's the bigger diva? I think that that's a conversation that we need to table for another day. We'll, t- we'll tweet um, Chad right now. I know sometimes he gets back with fans, right? What's that? Sorry. I said maybe we'll just have to tweet Chad right now because I know he uh, sometimes he likes to interact back with fans. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Maybe we'll have to bring him on and and uh, and ask him what he thinks. Uh, next matchup here, I've got, this isn't a specialty, um, celebration. It's actually a, you know, kind of a, a, a regular one that you saw all the time. So we've got the Jimmy Graham dunk up against the Gronk spike, which actually the, the Jimmy Graham dunk, he, he's actually not allowed to do it anymore because he did it. When he was still with the saints, he did it and he went up and he dunked and he actually pulled the uprights off kilter and the NFL had to ban him from, from being able to dunk the football. So if he does it anymore, he gets flagged. Yeah. Any, uh, any person who uses the goalpost as a dunking prop gets flagged for it because of that. I was going to bring that up. Like what, what a celebration to say, like I made a rule change because I was so strong and hyped up in the moment that I pulled a friggin' field goal post down and bent it in the middle of the game and ruined the game. Um, but with that being said, nobody has more fun celebrating than Rob Gronkowski. And it's one of those, I love simple and effective celebrations. And I think that's such a classic, like every single kid who has ever played football when you were little, when you got a touchdown, the thing you did was spike the ball. That's like, that was everybody's original go-to, I'm pretty sure. If not, I I have no idea where you used to live, but it's always been the spike. I think the spike is something that 
he can get his offensive linemen in on. So, you know, Gronk is scoring so many touchdowns. He's like, you know what? You know, big man, you, uh, you've done some work for us. You take a spike and you see these big giant men like getting so pumped up because they're never going to score a touchdown in their life and they get to be a part of the celebration. So I'll go with the Gronk spike. Great choice. And like you said, everybody can do a spike. Not everybody can dunk the ball. (laughs) (laughs) I can't can't dunk the ball. Um, Next one is another one where it was something that you saw on a regular basis. We have the uh, Ladanian Tomlinson flip, which I mean, I, I was actually when I was pulling up the uh, you know some of the best touchdown celebrations um, for this list, and I saw the LT flip. I was like, man, like I forgot how like how good that one is. Like just the, yeah. like, I just I I loved that one. I like I yeah I could go back and watch him do that 15 times <laughs> um versus the again this is a classic Dion sanders high step oh <laughs> oh man for for some reason when you're doing these and you're saying them to me i'm like no this isn't gonna be that hard and then the second i go to talk i'm like but just what about this and um yeah i i can picture like it should be an iconic pick i'm sure he has like a ladanian tomlinson brand you know like the jordan like kind of like dunking air brand that would be his logo of his company that's how iconic it is um but the high step starts early the high step might be uh i'll 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 play along with this for right now uh, but the the high step might be the greatest celebration in all of sports, not just even football, because he started doing that. Like you go back and watch those early Dion years and he's doing it with like 15, 20 yard. Like that's how fast he is. And that's how early he knows he's going to score. If we're talking about having that swagger and putting a phone in, you know, the upright pads, this guy is taunting other people saying, I, I'm doing this like come come catch me DK Metcalf oh wait you can't uh because I'm Dion Sanders and I'm high stepping um and for that reason I'm picking Dion both so like those are two that you can just always like you see them and it's just like I could picture myself doing that I'm going to practice that like the, the, the Dion, um, you know, high step dance after he actually finally got to the end zone. Um, I mean, those are just things that you just, you practice and you're like, if I ever play beer league flag football, I'm doing the Dion, I'm doing the LT. Like I don't even care care if I get caught from behind. Like I'm still doing it just because I get the chance to do it. Yeah, I don't care who I piss off. I don't care if a guy says, uh, you know, forget flag football. I am taking Chris out at the <laughs> knees the very next play. I'm doing it. Yeah. I'm doing both of them, actually. I'm probably doing, like, the high step into the LT flip. Like, yeah, I don't know. I'll, I'll combine a couple. <laughs> yeah. Uh, last matchup I've got here, we've got the Terrell Owens star. Hmm. You were probably expecting versus the we were talking about this last week straight cash homie randy moss 
Moon and the Packers fans. It it's funny that you say I was probably thinking of that one. Um, I was not. So I we as we've been popcorn. I I was thinking popcorn. I was thinking popcorn. Um, but again, like we want to talk swagger. Both of these just scream swagger. Like these are the these are the the matchup of disrespectful um celebrations and again probably part of the reason why uh the nfl turned to the no fun league actually when you've got them being like that is a disgusting act by randy moss um uh i think i like the to one so much because of just the history of it all of him being you know a cowboy um I th- I thought the Randy Moss if if it didn't blow up to everybody getting so bent out of shape I think it would have just been like oh remember that time Randy Moss mooned the crowd like wow you know it, it wouldn't have been such a big deal if he didn't have that sound by of uh I know we said it last week who was it again Al Michaels Al Michaels just like losing his mind over like you know a phantom moon like who cares man um. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go with uh, I'm going with To and the Star on this one. Yeah, I especially like with To and the Star, he did it twice in the same game. <laughs> he scored one touchdown, ran to, out to the 50 yard line, stood in the Star, arms out by his side, and then later in the game, I think the it might have even been a defensive touchdown. I, I would have to go back and and double check the 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 facts on that. Um, and you know, guy, uh, it actually might've been Emmett Smith. I'm, I'm not sure. Anyways, you know, Cowboys score a touchdown. They take the, the, the ball, they run up to the 50 yard line. They place the ball in the center of the star, like <laughs> oh, this is our house. And then T.O. scores a t- second touchdown. <laughs> he runs up to the 50 yard line. He plants the ball in the star. And then out of nowhere, you see some guy come up and just like clock him. Yeah. And, uh, it's just, yeah, just. Again, I mean, one of those moments that you can just when you hear T.O. and the Cowboys star, you you know what I'm talking about, right? But, yeah. Uh, quick recap here. We got Joe Horn talking on his cell phone. Uh, we've got Chad Johnson, uh, you know, playing uh, uh, Tiger Woods golf with the pylon, uh, the Gronk spike, the Dion high step and the T.O. star, as we were just discussing. Who's your MVP this week, Steve? Yeah, I, I think I already kind of alluded to it. I think it's the Dion High Step. It's just everything you want in a celebration. It's like that borderline, you know, confident, cocky era kind of thing. Um, it's iconic. It's yeah, it's it's everything you love. So I got to go with Dion on this one. Now we were talking about some other ones to call you out on these ones. And I'm actually shocked that you didn't do. There's two from Chad Johnson. I thought for sure, like this could be a whole Chad Johnson episode. Um, the river dance was, Mm -hmm. was amazing. Uh, proposing to the cheerleader was also like, again, like you get the fans involved with it. I think that's kind of an underrated part of celebrations when you were allowed to do it. Um, we were talking about some, you know, simple is better. Um, Emmett Smith. I, I know this gets overlooked. Uh, 
Emmett Smith, when he'd score a touchdown, just ran to the ref directly and handed it to him and walked away. And everyone said, well, that's kind of boring. To me, that is the scariest thing you can do as an athlete. Like, you know, in uh, in hockey, you score like a phenomenal goal and you just don't even bat an eye. You don't like sully with your teammates. You just skate back to the bench and go sit down like I've I've been here. I've done it a million times before you can't stop me. And I think there's something vastly underrated about that. And then the final two that I was super shocked, no team celebrations on this. Shame on you, Christopher Gordon Phillips. Uh, the fun bunch from the then Washington Redskins is one of my all-time favorite thing to do with just you know, I, I could be in a group of friends and just fun bunch and you're all high five in a circle together. Uh, that's fun at parties. And the Lambo. Sorry, just high fiving in a circle, right? Just just high fiving with your friends in a circle. No, but you got to jump too. Do you not know what the, the fun bunch is? <laughs> Dude, okay. we did it in dodgeball. I know what the fun bunch is. I was just making sure you weren't doing other things in that circle. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> close your ears, kids. Earmuffs. Yeah. Um, and the Lambo leap, like maybe the, the most Lam- iconic celebration. You say Lambo leap to people who don't watch football and they know what's up. I love so, yeah. Lambo leap out because I'm um, sorry to our guests next week. Screw the Packers. <laughs> <laughs> we'll segue into a little uh, friendly hatred. Chris is on a tangent this week. Screw the Niners. Screw the Packers. Screw everybody. If you're not Seattle. I wonder if Chris did really well in his run and that's why he's in such a great mood. Like there there um, can't be a correlation to these things at all. Chris Chris is tired. <laughs> and we'll just go with that. <laughs> yeah. Okay, we we've got one last thing, uh, and then we'll let Chris get to bed here since uh, you know, his back is a little sore. Uh and that's our second week of our uh mailbag segment. And uh, we're, we're really happy that you guys have been uh, sending those questions. You know, most or actually all of them came on Twitter this week. But again, guys, you can send us those questions on our Facebook page. Uh, you can also send us those questions on our Instagram page, wherever you do your social media-ing, if that's a word. Um, we will find those questions. We'll give you a little shout out, your question, and, uh, you know, as our description says our half-assed take on it so feel free to text message steve as well i'll give you his phone number and (laughs) text steve at any time of day yeah blow it up (laughs) don't matter to me our uh, wife your your wife will love it my phone is on my phone has been on silent since uh i don't know i was about 18 years old i never have my phone on loud little fun fact about me Um, our first mailbag question goes to our buddy uh, who you may or may not have beaten in a race today. Again, no spoilers. Ryan Hank wants to know what's worse, the butt fumble, the immaculate interception, or falling when no one is around? And your comment was, I don't really know. And so uh, if you are like my compadre here, the butt fumble was uh, Mark Sanchez running into his offensive lineman. Uh, I, I knew that one. Okay, okay. Well, for anyone yeah. who didn't know, he ran into his offensive lineman's rear end. He fumbles the ball. Uh, the immaculate interception was James Harrison 
uh, intercepting Kurt Warner on the whatever one or two yard line in the Super Bowl to lose the Super Bowl. And I think or at least I have a pretty good clue that falling when no one is around is the Daniel Jones when he's like taking (laughs) off and then he trips over the paint kind of thing and does that like slow moving stutter fall. Or it could be the Tom Brady one where he tries to recreate the Philly special, makes the catch, turns, and then those wonderful Brady Bambi legs uh, start churning and he falls flat on his face. So which one's worse? Um, Butt fumble. Easy. Butt fumble, absolutely. The James Harrison interception didn't lead to the Cardinals losing the Super Bowl. Um that still ended up being a dogfight, and Roethlisberger had to throw the touchdown to Santonio Holmes. Um, yeah, butt fumble. Yeah, I mean they they've all got their own level of like kind of shame, right? The butt fumble is like you literally lost the ball to your own team's butt. There, there's so much to laugh at there. The immacul- immaculate interception, you know, you could say it didn't end the game, but like it it had a huge part in it in helping lose a Super Bowl. That's always embarrassing. My pick would have been uh, falling when nobody's around. Like you're in the clear and your legs are moving not as fast as your mind or maybe the other way around. And it always ends up in a very slow motion fall. That is just like obviously butt fumble is meme central. But like when you are just churning, trying to pick those legs up and they just ain't coming with you. Uh, that might have been my pick. Our second question comes from this is a, this is a hilarious Twitter name, uh, Peter Klima's helmet. He says, uh, or she, we don't actually know who this is. Uh, so if you want to let us know who you are, that that would be kind of cool too. Maybe it's somebody we uh, we both know. Uh, first time caller, long time listener. I love that line when you call in live live to shows. Uh, third overall pick for upcoming dynasty rookie draft. Who do you got? And so this one's a little tougher because we don't know this person's, um, their, their league settings. Like how many quarterbacks can you start? How many running backs? How many on the bench? Uh, so with having none of that information, Chris, give me, give me at least two names that Peter Klima's helmet should go after at the third overall pick of just rookie drafts. Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields. No, I'm kidding. Um, I don't hate it. I don't want to, I don't want to show my, my cards here. I'm nervous. <laughs> Justin Fields, I think is actually a, a, a good choice in a dynasty um, format. Third overall, um, you have, I mean, we, we've all seen what these dual threat quarterbacks can do. <sighs> I don't want to do this. I do don't want to do this because it shows, I'm it shows to. my cards so bad for our league. Kyle Pitts, Kyle Pitts, Kyle Pitts, Kyle Pitts, Kyle Pitts. We all know how f- hard it is to find that tight end. <laughs> Uh, if you don't have a Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, Darren Waller, you're basically screwed at the tight end position. Um, and Kyle Pitts is a guy that gives you that potential to have a top five tight end uh, for years to come. And 
Yeah. God I, damn it. I, yeah. I don't think you're really showing your cards by that, by the way. I, like as if you just unlocked some secret that everybody wants, Kyle Pitts. Um, I, I think there's a handful of players that are going to go in that top three. And again, um, our buddy Nick there was was just doing his rookie dynasty draft. So only rookies. And he was asking me this exact same question. He said, like, you know, I've got first overall and eighth overall. Like, who do I go after? So obviously I said Kyle Pitts um, in his league. You can start multiple quarterbacks. Um, so quarterbacks are pretty, uh, pretty valuable. So Trevor Lawrence is going first. Justin Fields, I think, is a great pick as well. Um, Zach Wilson, depending on, you know, depending if you need quarterbacks in your league and how many you can start, I would, I would first think about that. Um, you have to look at, I hate to say it, but Najee Harris for Pittsburgh, uh, is going to be that big running back. Everybody wants, uh, you know, Jamar Chase is catching balls from Joe Burrow. Um, I don't think you can overlook that at three. And even some of those other guys, you know, you're probably not going to a Travis Etienne or uh, Javante Williams. But um, yeah, I would I would say Harris, Chase or Pitts are probably your top three in any rookie uh, rankings. And you just kind of have to factor in your quarterbacks based on what your league in particular does. Um, And our final question uh, this is a Ravens kind of question from uh, 1,000 Yards. I love this name, too. Um, but this this one, we can do a, a Ravens version of it and a, a Seahawks version of it. I think it's, it's great. Um, what would your ideal week one matchup be for the Ravens? So the, with the schedule coming out uh, this week, who do you want your team uh, to play in week one i'm gonna give you i'm gonna give you the first one here uh i've got the seahawks home opponents in front of me easy peasy jacksonville jaguars give me trevor lawrence in his first game of the year first nfl game in seattle with the fans back in attendance and a rookie quarterback trying to deal with the uh, with with the noise that comes from the twelves, yeah, that that that's a fun one, you know, just for who they have, and uh, you know, let let's see if this kid can play in in a wild stadium. Hoping, you know, hoping and assuming that fans are back in there. Um, for the Ravens, uh, I think they're they're Matt or their their opponents. You've got teams like uh, Tampa. I think they're playing. I would love to see Carolina and their new team. The thing with the early games in the season is I want to see the better teams earlier. Like the teams that are projected to do well, I want to see them earlier because they won't have as much film on my team. Now, conversely, my team won't have as much film on them, but I feel like... um, it's always an advantage when you get to shock a team um, early on in the season. So, you know, maybe give me Tampa. But in all reality, um, I want to see the Ravens week one host the Steelers. And I want to see them beat them by 55,000 points. <laughs> see, I just wasn't stopping there. 
Um, yeah, you know, the, the Steelers beat the Ravens twice last year. I am itching to see the Ravens beat up on the Steelers again. So the sooner that can happen, uh, the better that will be for me and my life. Um, yeah, that, that's our, uh, that's our mailbag. And, uh, hopefully you guys enjoy that. Hopefully you're listening to them. And, uh, like we said, get your questions in. We apologize today for, uh, sending out the tweet a little late today. Obviously we had the run Chris run going on and at the forefront of our minds, but we like to send that out a little earlier Sundays and get those questions in so we can feature yours, uh, each week. Uh, again, I want to send another thank you to Sean at Acro Media for all of his work today. I think we were there for a couple hours on the field, um, dealing with a bunch of uh, humbled, overgrown children uh, running around in some very inappropriate clothing, Ryan Hank. Uh, and uh, yeah, make sure you check those videos out. I think we had a lot of fun today putting those on for you guys, kind of like as a fun promotional thing between two podcasts. Um, and uh, Chris, you got any last words? Uh, no. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I'm looking forward to doing Run Chris Run again next year. Um, I'm going to show my cards a little bit there by saying that, but I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> You're so bitter this whole episode. <laughs> tired, tired. Chris is a different Chris. Um, so I'm so, I'm sorry that uh, you guys had to deal with this Chris today. But uh, no, guys, honestly, um, yeah. Thanks again, Sean. Thanks again to the guys from PP One Podcast coming out and doing that event with us today. Thanks to our wives and our kids coming out and watching us be idiots. Um, you know, my, my daughter has, uh, has said that she enjoyed watching dad be silly today. So that, that was fun too. Yeah. Um, I mean, go listen to us guys. Uh, you can find us on all our, all your, all, all of your, not our favorite, uh, platforms, Apple, Spotify, Google, wherever you listen to us, we're there, you know, subscribe, review rates, five stars, all those good things. Find us on uh, social media. We're over on Twitter at ballhawks underscore pod. Instagram, same tag. You can find us on Facebook at ballhawks podcast. Uh, I'm Chris. I'm happy to be here. Find me at PhillipsChris12. And as always, guys, go Hawks. Peace. Hi, I'm Connie Teeson, the host of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. We focus on Canada and the challenges facing Canadian radio and TV, as well as highlighting those moving the industry forward from podcasting and streaming to new broadcast tech. Check us out at broadcastdialogue.com or your favorite podcast app. Come on, let's go to the blue Hotel. I want to live at the Blue Hotel. The podcast that goes everywhere the imagination dares. It's for the open-minded, the pleasure seeker. It's Jeff Woods with the new podcast about relationships and sexuality, theme-based with special guests, the Blue Hotel Hotline, and every episode climaxes with an adult bedtime story. 